welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 129. And actually, right now, during the month of October, we are mostly releasing weekly because we are reviewing the Child's Play series for our Halloween celebration. So this is going to be part two of four of our franchise review, where we bring you feature reviews of Child's Play 2 from 1990 and Child's Play 3 from 1991. And sometimes there is a subtitle associated with that called Look Who's Stalking. On Horror Movie Podcast here, you'll get to listen to in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-host tonight so far is... Dave Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. Welcome, sir. It's good to have you, Dave. Thanks for being here. Good to be here. So uh, the Wolfman, Josh Legary, all of a sudden, you know, we didn't even realize this. He's in L.A. for some reason. So, mm-hmm. he, but he will be joining us later on. He says. I think they had a bear sighting. And yeah. With him being an expert now, he's they flew him out to, to help take care of that. <laughs> That's exactly right. So he's down in L.A. Um, you know, dealing with bears and moose and such, and so he should be along shortly. Real quick before we jump into this, because we're just going to go right into it, Dave. We're not we're not afraid of Chucky. No. <laughs> I just want to mention our good friend uh, Joel Robertson, Gilman Joel, over there on Retro Movie Geek. That podcast, it's one of our network shows. They do Spooky Flicks Fest every year where they cover lots of horror and horror-related stuff during the month of October. And actually, uh, just so happens, coincidentally... Joel and those guys over there did a a Child's Play episode. So if you haven't gotten enough Child's Play from our previous show, episode 128, then make sure you check out uh, Retro Movie Geek over there. What I'll do is I'll link that in the show notes to make sure you can hear it. I'm sure it'll be hilarious. At the time we're recording this, Dave, I don't think that's released just yet, but I bet it it will be here any minute. And so nice. That's That'll be cool. I'd love to hear what those guys have to say. You're right there. It, it's it's always entertaining to listen to that show. Yeah, they're so funny. And, yeah. and the other thing, I just want to throw this up front because I'm really excited about this. Our friend Adam in Chicago, who's amazing. I love this guy. We're going to hear a voicemail from him later on. He showed me something tonight. He started doing this thing called um, The Horror Minute, which is basically... Um, the way I would describe it is a, a short little uh, like minute long uh, video podcast, right? Where he basically shows a clip or something small, like a small little snippet from a horror film. And then he basically gives you um, the premise and some very brief commentary within a minute over that. And so um, I told him I love the concept. I think it's a great idea and it's really cool. And so he's going to try to crank out three to five of those per week. And he said you could find him on his Instagram at Adam's Art Box. And so make sure you Very check cool. that out. It's really it's really well done. And he's yeah. a super funny and insightful that's a great, guy. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. And that, that's, that has to be difficult. I'd love to see how he... Uh how he pulled that off and yeah. doing it in all in a minute. Wow. Seriously. I know. It's awesome. But anyway, um, that's all for the plugs up front here, uh, Dr. Shock. Uh, let's move into our feature review of Child's Play 2. Sorry, Jack. Chucky's back. 
How's it hanging, Phil? Child's Play 2. He's the original. He'll take your breath away. This fall, Chucky rules. Did you miss me, Andy? I sure missed you. Child's Play 2. Keep an eye out for it. Okay, Child's Play 2. Now, um, Dave, I just want to ask you something right up front. And, you know, we're all friends here. I feel like we have a pretty good relationship with our community. We have a lot of friends out in the community, too. So we can say things. We can talk about you know, unfortunate events with He-Man action figures and other weirdness, you know, and and, yes. and <laughs> mostly, you know, be able to live it down. So here's what I want to ask you. When when you watch something like Child's Play 2, do you feel like, um, is it similar somewhat? I mean, does it have the same, and this is very hard to articulate, but horror horror fans out there, this is important. Does it have the same, like, uh, flavor to you or feeling as something like um, a Nightmare on Elm Street part two, like like that sequel, or even um, not not as much because I think Halloween two is kind of above and beyond what yeah, a lot Halloween, of it. Halloween Halloween two is a, is a like basically just continuing Halloween. Right. It's that same night. So it, it's all set in the same uh, general time period. Uh, yes. Not even time period. It's set the same day. Same, yeah, so same that, exact. That does differentiate that one a little bit. But with Freddy's Revenge, you, you know, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street sequel, part two, th- did that have this a similar feeling to um, Child's Play 2 for you? Because it did for me. I mean, it's been forever since I've seen this film, but having resi- revisited it, I'm like, oh, wow, this is... I'm really surprised at how much this feels like, you know, a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, in relation. And I did not, uh, you know, full disclosure, I did not get to rewatch Child's Play Two. I've seen it multiple times, but I did not get to rewatch it, you know, right before we recorded, unfortunately. Um, But I don't recall having that same feeling. The problem I had with Nightmare on Elm Street Two was that they changed the rules for. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. He was now trying to enter the real world. Right. You know, whereas his strength was in the dream world. Yeah. And I'm glad they abandoned that after number two. I agree. Um, agree with but from what I remember from Child's Play 2, we still had, we still have Chucky um, doing, you know, what he wants to do. He wants to, he wants Andy's body. He wants to be... Uh, he wants to switch, uh, I don't know, switch souls. He wants to basically banish Andy's soul to the netherworld and take over his body, mm-hmm. um, which is the same as, you know, the first film. So I don't, I don't, I didn't quite get that same vibe from, from this as I did from Nightmare on Elm Street 2, where they just changed everything up. Yeah, I, I guess, and, and I'm sorry, and you're doing really well with trying to respond to my ridiculous question, uh, but, but, but I think if I were to try to articulate it a little better, I think what we have here, and, and this happened with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, although the tone was quite different. Oh, you're thinking and, comedic. You're thinking the comedy? Well, I'm just the, thinking of, okay, we had a horror property and people liked it and they're like, wow, this is something... There's some we've got something here. This is special. This is cool. Let's let's riff on this. And I th- I feel like 
you know, for, for the most part, and this isn't a criticism, this sounds bad, but I don't mean it badly. Uh, it, it was like, Hey, they liked the first one. Let's basically take that same thing and do it again with slight changes because, because really child's play two in a lot of ways is very parallel to the first one. And just like, even, even though Texas Chainsaw Massacre two is uh, a lot more comedic, obviously, um, but it's still pretty much the same exact story. Well, it, 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 yeah, I, I see what you're saying in it. And it kind of is it. There are some big differences in it. Um, first off, they're not in that house anymore. They're now in that, in that, um, you know, was it amusement park? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean the Dennis Hopper the, the, was in the it. Dennis edition. Hopper, the Dennis Hopper additions were actually for me, the, that's what I didn't like about the movie. Same. I, they I just, agree. They, they just didn't, they didn't fit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, there were other things I liked about, like I liked Caroline Williams in it. I really did. Uh, I love that Bill Mosley's in that movie taking over the, um, the, the role for the, the, uh, the, the hitchhiker. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I absolutely love that scene at the beginning where the, where the chef is standing there with that trophy with the, with the chili in it. <laughs> getting it all over that cheap ass suit of his, yes, um, yes. and not realizing it as he's like <laughs> accepting this award. So I, there, there are things about the movie that I really did like it, but the Dennis Hopper stuff, it's almost as if he was in another movie, right? You know, uh, from the rest of them, and they didn't, it just didn't match up. It, it didn't, and I think it was almost shot that way. <laughs> uh, and they just, it, it didn't match, but yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. The child's play two is just, it, and then that, that is the formula. I mean, that is, you know, Hey, they like this. Um, and look what happened when they changed things up with, with nightmare on Elm street two, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, a lot, it's... a lot of people weren't real happy about that with, with the changes that they made. Yeah. Um, it... and there were things about that movie that were actually groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, uh, the subtext. Uh, uh, absolutely, the mm-hmm. subtext that was that's groundbreaking stuff, especially for the time period when it was released. Right, and that's one um, of my favorite aspects about that film. By the way, I think it's so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That 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 makes it it, it makes it unique, mm-hmm. uh, for, especially for for the for the eighties horror film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, it, it's what they did with with Freddy himself that I think is is where they you know. It's where they kind of fell short. Um, <laughs> but yes, child's play. What's that? I'm just, I was, I was just thinking um, I'm going to blow the listeners' minds because I'm going to read about half their minds right now because they're probably yelling at us, Dave. They're probably okay. thinking, okay, the, child, the, the child's play fans out there who are listening to this are probably thinking, uh-oh, this doesn't bode too well because all these guys have been talking about are other horror franchises instead of this movie. <laughs> but the thing is, this is important, listeners. The, the reason we're doing this, I, what I'm trying to establish here, and I think Dave is doing a beautiful job of it as well. I, I, I think I'm trying to establish that this franchise, thus far at least, I'm just going to say thus far, is holding its own as a legitimate horror continuation of oh, this yeah. little monster that they have here. And I think they're, they're, they're doing it. Like, I mean, I, I wasn't, ex- it's been forever, like seriously, since I've seen this movie. And upon revisiting it, I'm like, hey, you know, they they kind of captured it again and they brought it back. And so I was pretty impressed with this. I mean, I yeah. I actually like this film. I, I, I am a, you know, there are things about Child's Play 2 that I really like as well. And I think there's more that I like than I dislike, to be honest with you. So I agree. Mm-hmm. I think as a sequel, I think it's I think it's pretty strong. 
That's right. Yeah. So, um, so just to give a little, um, you know, of the the formal details there. This one was directed by uh, John Lafia or Lafia. I should probably know how to pronounce that, but I don't. But but he was the director of like Man's Best Friend. Oh right, and, um, yeah. And um, he was a writer on uh, Child's Play, you know, the original, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Of course, Tom Holland directed that one. But anyways, um, and and this basically the setup on this is Andy's mother at this point has been admitted into a psych- psychiatric hospital because, of course, she's sticking to the the truth, the true story and, of a killer that, doll. That mm-hmm. aspect of it uh, that kind of irks me a little bit, only because. There are co- there there's policemen that saw this too. That's true. Y- you know, it's not as if she she saw this herself. Um, and I'm not, I don't know what what they're saying, what happened with the cops afterwards or whatever. If they didn't back her up, if they were you know trying to protect their jobs or whatever, it just seemed very strange to me that you know, uh, let's just throw in an, in an asylum because the actress probably didn't want to come back for the movie. <laughs> right. So let's just throw in an asylum. It's kind of the you know the McLean Stevenson mash thing. Let's just have have this plane go down in the sea, of, you know, the Sea of Japan. Yeah. Uh, and be done with them. That's almost like what they're doing with her character because it, it just doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense that they would throw her throw her in an institution when there are other people who saw this as well. You know, it's not like she's the only one who saw this. That's true, but I'll tell you what, it's a little bit serendipitous as far as I'm concerned because I actually think that that lends itself to the film. It kind of works. It reminded me a little bit of in um, you know, ter- what is it, Terminator Two. When Sarah mm-hmm. Sarah Connor is like locked up, right, and so her child yeah. is unprotected. I mean, you've got that same kind of vibe from this too, and I like it because horror you do. But in Terminator Two, they at least kept Linda Hamilton part of the story. That that's true, but you know, she was there, and this one, the mother's one. No, I understand it. I I do understand it. She probably didn't want to come back for the movie. They had to explain with her not coming back. They had to explain why. Andy is suddenly living in a new house with foster parents, and that's how you got to do it. I and, mean, it, it it makes sense to that to that degree. And, and I that's dark, right? I mean, why. after the traumatic experience this kid's been through, his mother is now taken away from him. I mean, he's yeah. already like yeah. he lost his dad. You know, in right. the first film, his dad was already uh, deceased, and and now his mother's taken away. So you've got another one of those situations. Horror happens to those who deserve at least, and he ends up in this very vulnerable orphan type of position mm-hmm. where he's in foster care, you know? So that's, that's interesting. Um, yep. so, but I get it. So, but it sounded like you would have liked to have had at least a little more involvement from the mother. And at least, uh, yeah. I mean, it, uh, the actress isn't going to come back. What are you going to do? You know, there's, there's not much you can do. You got to move forward without her. And I completely understand why they did it. And I, I think they did it as best as they could probably under the circumstances. Right. Um, and I don't know that you'd have her die. That's even more, I don't know, that might be even more traumatic <laughs> right? or, or, or something, you know, or uh, she's certainly not just going to send him away. So I guess all that's left is putting her in a mental institution. Um, yeah, which is, I, I mean, I, I do. I like that. I, I just can't, yeah. I can't help it, I guess, but <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, it's, it, it's it's you know what I'm making a bigger deal out of it than it really is. It it just it got us to the point that it needed to for the movie. So yeah, fair enough. So. But but so yeah, I mean that's kind of the premise. So Andy is in this um, foster home position where he's like he's got these uh, foster parents. The 
the the father of the foster parents is a little bit more i mean he's less tolerant he's not as willing to have this um mentally disturbed child in his home he's played by garrett graham who i can never ever see without thinking of the movie used cars oh yeah right every time i see that guy that's the role i immediately go back to him and use cars i i can't help it that's awesome and 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 he's fine in this he does you know i think he's i think he's okay in this um and and it was a jenny i can never pronounce Uh, the name is is it a a guter or a gutter gutter agatar not agatar a gutter or something like avatar Just not kidding. Avatar. No, God, no. I see. Um, I but, see you, brother. Sorry. I love that movie. <laughs> um, but she's and she's. A, I, I always like her. I mean, she's been in uh, uh, some really good movies. Obviously, American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. She was in and and Walkabout, which oh man, is a tremendous Australian film. Yes, it is. Yes, it you is. Know? Um, so and so she's an actress. I, I always I've always liked her. I'm with you. I'm with you. And and then I I like Christine Elise who plays Kyle, yes. who's mm-hmm. like the the teenage foster child. But the only thing, and this is a little nitpicky, but in terms of character, I mean, she's a kid that's been around the block. She's been passed around so much in and out of foster homes. But she is remarkably supportive and motherly to Andy by taking him yes. under her wing. Yes. Yes, she is. Why you don't think that that rings true? I feel like that a, a person in her background who's been through the kind of things, I mean, and this sounds like a terrible value judgment. I'm just saying like, it, it feels like, um, I mean, she tries to give him a little bit of tough love counseling at one point, And I uh-huh. think there would have been a lot more of that because like he really actually infringes upon her, her freedoms and her time. And I'm just used to teenagers being a lot more uh, narcissistic. So, mm-hmm. so the degree to which she supports Andy is a little bit far-fetched and hard to believe. But, but well, hey. uh, I, I see what you're saying. I understand. I understand what you're saying. Um, having never been in that situation, yeah. May, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe she was looking for somebody to to latch on to, and she just wasn't feeling it with that's the step parents. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, so maybe this this little kid, she's like, hey, maybe this is somebody I can finally, through all of this hell, uh, maybe connect to. Yeah, um, like- and maybe didn't feel that at first. I don't know. I mean, again, I haven't been in that situation. I mean, you might you might be absolutely right, um, but uh, that's just maybe another take on it. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, that's interesting. That's a good point you made. But yeah, so I mean, he's in this scenario and of course, um, you know, Chucky um, tracks him down. Chucky still has the same objective. He needs to get out of the doll body, the good guy's body, and he needs to inhabit Andy's body. And, it, you know, the same holds true as before because he has that, you know, he, Andy was the first one that learned of his secret. Right. And, and, and by the way, they... You know, in the beginning of the film, as the film opens, someone is cleaning and restoring the burn doll. So just I want to note something here, like technically speaking, he is he is still inhabiting or haunting or possessing that same shell of a doll. Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. And why they went through that trouble, I don't know. Well, and, and that's going to actually um, be a kind of a significant point which I'm sure they didn't think about ahead of time, but it come with Child's Play 3, which we'll talk about here shortly. Yeah. But but anyway, I, I wanted to also say this was released in November of 1990, and I think it was exactly um, 
Like, was the original one re- released on November 9th? It was really close. It's like almost exactly like two years yeah, I think after it might the be. original. I, I, it, it was, yeah, I think it was in November. Yeah, it was in November I for sure. I, I, I can't, yeah. I, I, but I'm even thinking it might even been the same exact day of the, you know, the date. But um, anyway, I guess that doesn't really matter. What did you think? Which would be strange because it's only two years later and it wouldn't be, you know, most movies come out on a Friday or a a Wednesday. Yeah. And that's what happened with Child's Play. So actually it makes sense because Child's Play did come out on a Wednesday, as I recall. And um, and here I got it here now. We've been talking about it so long I was able to pull it up. So looking at it. Yeah, the original released on November 9th. So it was two okay. years to the day, exactly. Because wow. this was a Wednesday, and then the 1990 um, part two was on was a Friday. On a Friday. Nice. Yeah, I mean, we are just cool. detectives on this podcast right here. I'll tell you. But anyway. <laughs> There's a little bit of trivia if it ever comes up. I don't know when it would. People are like. comes up. I mean, I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, use that's that. That's pretty cool. I mean, people are making, people right now are thinking, I need to find Jay's address so I can mail a Chucky doll to his house to kill him. But here's the thing, people. <laughs> here's the thing. If you're ever on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you're going to get that question. You're going to get which uh, you know, which horror franchise, first film and second film, actually released on the exact same day, November 9th, two years apart. You're going to get that, and then you're going to win a million dollars thanks to horror movie podcast just I'll saying tell you what you know what i having having reviewed trials play two on the blog and with the uh you know trivia tweets i send out i think i'm going to use that oh, play two because sweet. i don't think i've ever i didn't know that that's brand new to me so i can add that to uh to the list yes. for this movie so that's awesome and, and not to beat a dead horse but there's one just one i just want to underscore why that's so interesting to me is because it was unusual and i noted this in the previous episode it was unusual that the first child's play was actually released on a wednesday it wasn't like the wednesday yeah. before thanksgiving y'all it was november 9th and then this was on a friday so just saying anyways we're nerds we're cinephiles we can't help it we like this stuff <laughs> anyway dave um so what did you think when you saw the name of the, the company in this, which is Play Pal Toys, I, I could not think of anything else except for PayPal. I don't I don't know oh, about you, but yeah, I'm no, like, that's interesting. I'm like, okay, that's uh PayPal. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, yep. I'm just I'm just trying to look up here when the the history of PayPal to see um when it began. Well, I don't think it was 1990. No, this was 98, exactly. So okay. so it was established in December of 98. And so I think PayPal might have actually been inspired in some way from Child's Play 2. <laughs> Possibly. Or they were inspired by the fact that it's uh, it's a pay service. and Yeah. Uh, it, the, the name just makes sense. Here's another thing I like about <laughs> these movies. Um, so in, in this second movie here... Obviously, you know, we see that the company, they're like, okay, we, we need a PR fix here. This is a public relations nightmare because people think that these good guy dolls are like, you know, killer good guy dolls are all these rumors about them because of Andy. And of course, everybody dismissed them as being crazy. But it turns out that in the very beginning, while they're speaking about it, um, and this is the opening scene, everybody, this is a first kill. So this isn't spoiler or anything, but... Um, one of the workers, the doll electrocutes a worker. Now, here's the thing. Talk about overdoing it a bit. <laughs> when that worker gets zapped, he does a gigantic, like, launch backflip through the glass. 
Like it's like it's seriously like a 15 feet. You know, he. I'm like, wow. I mean, they really wanted to establish that opening kill, and wow. and I like that because in slashers, this is something that we get. We get the opening kill to yeah. establish yeah. what type of horror film we're watching, even though there's going to be a lot of build up and some you know drought between kills. But you know, they they have that in this one. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So here's a little detail in this, and this is you know a little 80s slash 90s nostalgia. I was a skateboard guy. I like skateboards. And I noticed in this film they had that the yellow Nash skateboard that everybody seemed to have. My good friend Zach had it. And it actually has Jason Voorhees on the bottom of it, which which I think is pretty cool. So you see that skateboard a couple of times, and that was neat. And then um, the the, uh, good guy doll that falls out of the closet of the foster home, you know, to scare Andy. It's a little jump scare. His name is Tommy. And, um... And Dave, can you guess trivia? Speaking of trivia, can you guess whose name that Tommy was inspired by? Why they why they want to call it Tommy? Why they want to call it Tommy? Uh, <laughs> that's a go. You know, the first thing that leaped to mind was actually Tommy Lee Wallace from Halloween, but I don't think. Oh, that's, that's, that's I like the that. Case. I like that too. Uh, You're close. You're close. They wanted to give a little nod to uh, the. Director of the first film, Tom Holland. So, ah, well, there you go. Cool. <clears throat> so that was kind of cool. That's very cool. Here's a complaint, though. So, uh, you know, something that happens commonly as, you know, our monster that we like, the monster we know and love, as it progresses through its sequels, it takes on different attributes and characteristics. They, they, they do. They riff on it a little bit. And this is where Chucky starts becoming a little too cackly. I mean, he's cackling, cackling. <laughs> laughing and it's kind of annoying dave what do you th- I, I can understand that yeah I, I i can't say it really bothered me but i know i can see where it would be uh it, it would annoy some yeah definitely yeah and and you and i you actually mentioned this point here so i'm sorry if you were going to say it but um i i think maybe you wrote about this in your blog you mentioned it before we started recording i think is about how um at one point i, I think it's a nice touch when you know, Chucky swaps himself out with this other Tommy doll. Yeah. And um, when when he goes to do the little voice thing. <laughs> Hi, my name is. And, and he like does that pause. Yeah. And he looks he to, to the side. For a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> that they had him look over to the side and remember what the doll's <laughs> name was. That that was that was pretty good. I liked. It. I laughed out loud. Yeah, I did that. I really did. It's like nice touch, and and, and yeah. I mean that is some some careful thoughtful writing i i just love little things like that um Mm -hmm. so this something that they really i mean they really work (laughs) this convention in this child's play series is the whole um it's like in that movie it came from outer space i'm sure they probably did this even before that that's like a 1950s film if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. but it's the it's the earliest one that i think of when I think of this convention where you have um, a monster, you have basically a chicken little situation where the sky is falling and, and someone is aware of the threat and the danger and they're alarmed and they're sounding the alarm like Paul Revere style running through the neighborhood warning everybody and nobody is believing him. And, and right. this is what we have again. So Andy's, you know, not only has he been taken from his mom and he's in this strange environment, but he's also in a situation where nobody is believing 
the danger that he's in. And I love that convention. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> you can see that. I mean, it's not, I mean, that's very realistic. I mean, think about it. If you look out your front door and you see a kid from your neighborhood who you know is, is troubled or has had issues running down the street saying someone's trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that you're going to be like uh, run out and I think you're going to be a little like, okay, well, I think he's kind of losing it here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, 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 it makes sense. I mean, I, I can see why, you know, it's, it's like a, it's sort of a typical thing in horror films when, when, when that happens, you're, everyone's like, why is nobody believing this person? Right. Um, but in this situation with the, the character that he plays and with the history that, that he has, um, the, you can see it, you can see the you can see people doubting him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and I think that that's cool because it, it, it just reinforces the fact that people around him think, think that he's crazy. Right. And, um, and that's a terrible position to be in. Um, another little criticism for the, the Chucky character in this, and, th- and this is really, uh, a problem with screenwriting in this sense. So, um, in order to give us the inner monologue of Chucky when he's on his own, he does, especially in the beginning of the film, he talks to himself, you know, out loud a lot. And it's for our benefit, of course, to kind of know right. where he's coming from. And and that, that's kind of a, you know, that's that's a little bit of a weakness when you have characters talking to themselves when they wouldn't otherwise be talking out loud. I don't know, nitpick, but but what is <laughs> what is good, Dave, is... Chucky, they establish with this whole, the whole idea that the longer he inhabits this doll's body, then the more he begins to like take it over. Yeah. That is, um, it establishes a ticking clock for that character and it gives us urgency and that's really effective. And I, and I, it it does. And I, I like how it it becomes, he becomes so, um, I guess so joined with it that, you know, it bleeds and it can it can it can be hurt, and then he feels the pain when this doll is. Uh, yes. You know, I, I I kind of like that aspect of the films. I agree with you. I like that a lot too. I think it's, I, I think it's excellent. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then another thing, and I can't believe that I didn't think of this on my own because I'm always trying to look for these kind of parallels. But I love how in the, the in the class, and this happens a lot in horror films that happen in Halloween, for example, where the teacher is going over material that kind of reflects what's happening in the story. And so she's telling the Pinocchio story where this doll is becoming, wants to become a real boy, mm-hmm. which is the antithesis of Chucky here. But I think that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's a little bit of a dated language here in this when at one point Andy uh, stands up to a bully and says, get lost, microchip. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't remember ever calling anybody a microchip, but. No, that, I, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever pulled that one out of a bag either. <laughs> but now you can, you can add it to your arsenal of insults. There you go. Anyways, um, let's take a moment if you don't mind. Dave, and uh, I would like to play a clip from my all-time favorite film critic, and it, maybe he's yours too. Is is Roger Ebert your favorite film critic? Uh, <clears throat> my all-time favorite film critic, the one who I like to read the most, is actually Francois, Francois Truffaut. Oh, okay. He was doing Truffaut. his reviews back in the day, but Ebert is a very close second. And as far as ones who like were reviewing 
from my youth and everything. Yes, I watched Siskel and Ebert all the time. And there were obviously times I didn't agree with either of them, but I always agreed with Ebert a little more than I did with, with Siskel. So, yeah, okay. I would say so. All right. Yeah, and I, and I feel bad. Like, I know the, the horror fans sometimes get sick of hearing um, Roger Ebert's opinion on horror films. And yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah it, it, only because he just... But he, but he was, he was, he wasn't. It's not like this was. He was the same as all the other critics at the time, and it's just they, they were in print. And this one, you know, we we have clips for a podcast, so we could use clips of of Ebert. That's right. But I think his his opinions were in line with other critics of of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like when we listen to these, we're hearing pretty much the general consensus, not across the board. There's always going to be differences, but but of what a lot of the critics at the time were thinking of these sort of movies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I didn't take the time to go into the Ebert's review of the first Child's Play in our previous episode, but I do want to say it's an interesting review, and I'd encourage people to read it because um, Ebert does, in that review, a little bit of horror analysis, kind of like what we try to do on this show. Um, and, and in Child's Play 1, the first one, he talks about the false alarm um, in horror where what you have is a false jump scare and then like a few moments later when the the characters relieved and they're not scared they turn around and then you get the real the real right. jump scare from the actual monster so and as as i recall he wasn't he liked that first one didn't he yeah yeah it's actually um more or less a favorable review actually and then yeah that's what i thought and and plus he picks up on um you know the whole the monster is never dead convention which we have here um in uh-huh. that in well basically all these movies but but here in one and two especially but anyways so this is Ebert and Siskel and they're ta- this is, comes from their review on TV of uh, Child's Play 2 check it out Okay, I sat down and I had a long talk with myself after I saw our next movie, which is named Child's Play 2. And I found myself having an argument between my head and my heart. My head told me that this movie did indeed deliver the goods, that it was a truly frightening thriller and it was a well-made film. But my heart told me the movie was sick and unwholesome, a completely malignant exercise. The movie, once again, tells the story of a little boy who's terrorized by an evil doll, a doll named Chucky, that contains the mind and soul of a mass murderer. The violent and malicious doll was destroyed at the end of the first movie, but now Chucky is back. I told you. We were going to be friends to the end. And now it's time to play. This is a movie in which a little boy's mother is taken away from him and he lives with foster parents and is blamed for the death of one of them. And everywhere he goes, people are killed and mutilated and nobody will believe him. And this Chucky doll is pure evil, unadulterated, profane, and foul-mouthed evil. The closing sequence of Child's Play 2 inside a toy factory is truly horrifying. It's good filmmaking, but it made me feel unclean and disturbed as I was watching it. And I can only imagine what effect it might have on small children. As a film critic, I have to say this movie is well made and effective but as a human being I wish I hadn't seen it what good can come of having such foul and ugly images pumped into your mind I think that my um, heart and mind may be closer connected than yours I I don't make too much of a distinction Um, I I thought that uh, I was laughing at the film because it was so preposterous um, when they have that little doll uh, attacking with a knife at the same time it's sickening Mm -hmm. and so I didn't think that the film 
filmmaking was pretty good. I, I'll, the only thing I'll grant you is the the, the, the final fight in the in the toy factory, the toy factory. is well staged yes, because you have all the boxes and that's and that's and the pretty assembly engaged. line and all that's the right. other okay, stuff. Yes. That, that part, but that's the that's the end of the picture. Uh, all of the other setup involving the doll is, is really silly. And again, I must stress well, and I must stress how violently abusive the doll is and how uh, sickening the, the, the role that an actual child yeah, had to see, play opposite. Even then you're contradicting yourself because if it's silly, then it wouldn't be violently abusive. It's more than silly, Gene. Oh, no. It's really sick. I have a knee-jerk response to showing children in jeopardy. And it is, it is cheap, it is rarely justified, and in this piece of trash, it's not justified well, my at only all. point would be that the movie is even worse because it's so well-made. You have to grant it. It's well-made. and that's Only, one only the in the last I'm sequence. <laughs> so when when Ever says it made me feel unclean and disturbed, it's like, hey Roger, um, that's what horror is supposed to do. It's supposed it's to disturb what you. What horror is supposed to do? Not only that, why are they bringing the effect it would have on young children into this? This movie was rated R. It was not made for young children. It was not made for for kids to see. Uh, why are they worrying about the effect it would have on young children? Now, yes. Something like Child's Play, being a doll, we talked about it in the last show, it's going to appeal to children, just yes. naturally, because it's a toy. But it was not made for children. That's that is true. not the audience that they were going for here. So why are they, <laughs> why are they worrying about that? Exactly. So we welcome to the show uh, the Wolfman, Josh. Thank you. There he is. <laughs> there he is. We... we we had, a, we had a theory that there was a bear sighting in California and they needed to direct <laughs> so are, yeah, are you a different kind of bear. <laughs> are you down in L.A. working on a film, sir? Y- yeah, I, I apologize to you and our listeners. It was kind of last minute and um, I thought I was going to be able to work and record, but it well a little bit longer than i had anticipated so um mm-hmm. yeah that that's what happened um i uh i'm filming a documentary with some friends of mine i've been working on it for a little while there it's just a new band that's starting and so i'm filming them like in a recording studio and nice. things like that nice uh, it's okay pretty fun it's oh, wow. the uh the singer of a band called Neon Trees and the former um, guitarist and drummer of the Used, and they're starting a awesome new band. Oh, interesting. Okay, very cool. That is cool. Um, tell them if you don't mind telling the listeners this. It, it's not even horror related, but it seriously made my day. Tell them about that little video, that short video you sent to us, Josh. I just loved it. Oh, what video was it? Do you remember your, you you hummed the theme music for for us? Uh, I, uh, I loved yeah, I'm, it. I'm on the way to the recording studio. I was driving through this neighborhood, and I just thought, this looks so familiar to me. I guarantee you I'm near what I thought I was near. And so I Googled it, and sure enough, I was like a block away from the location of Dunder Mifflin uh, from the American version of The Office. So I stopped and took my picture outside of, of The Office. It's one of my favorite sitcoms ever. So absolutely, a lot of fun. I genuinely really want to go there, even though it's like I know that it's not Scranton and everything. Well, you know what it is now is it's a it's a movie studio, so you could actually film your own version of The Office there if you rented it out for the afternoon. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Okay, yeah. well, nice. 
now now we know. Well, welcome to the, the show. The other thing I found out mm-hmm. is that um, this documentary that I was just an assistant director on got into Sundance that much. I was just an AD, but... Uh, sorry, Skype cut out. Did you say that the, the one you were assistant director on got into Sundance? Got into Sundance, yeah. Congrats. That's wonderful. So that Yeah, congratulations. That's awesome. So that'll be this January? Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. Well, um, you're famous and... <laughs> And we are infamous, right, Dave? <laughs> and uh, yes. what we're doing here is we're in we're uh, starting to wrap up our uh, first review of Child's Play 2. So okay. w- what are your thoughts on this movie? Let, let's turn it over to you. We just heard from Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, and now we'll hear from okay. Wolfman Josh. I bet I liked it a little bit better than them would be my guess. <laughs> um, yeah. If you liked it at all, yes. I, I enjoyed it. Don Mancini, I, I am actually a fan of his. You know, he is the one who's taken the franchise in the more comedic direction, which I know that you guys, you guys aren't necessarily fans of. But the thing I like about Don Mancini is he said he wanted to make each of the films a little bit different. Now, of course, I don't know if he pulled that off the first three, but I think he has managed to do that for the following films. So. I appreciate that. Um, I think he also was stuck with this voodoo idea that um, Tom Holland had kind of uh, created for the first film. So I think he did his best to um, tell an interesting story and also work in a lot of the elements from his original screenplay for Child's Play that didn't make it into that film. Like the big factory scene at the end is all from the original script for Child's Play, mm-hmm. for instance. And... Um, it's a little over the top, of course, but I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was more fun in some ways mm-hmm. than the original, although it is slightly ridiculous. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we were, no, we were we were kind of in that same line. I think you know we I I liked it. I mean, I thought it was uh, uh, as far as within the the Chucky universe. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. A dec- I thought it was decent. I thought it was about as good as the first one. I mean, I think. I think I, I, as, as I've kind of started to go through this franchise, I don't think they vary that much in quality. I think there's only one or two that are really below the line and maybe a couple that are hopefully above. I'm, I'm hoping for good things for the, the final two. I've heard good things about Curse and, and I'm hoping for good things but with Cult. But I think most of them are kind of around the same level of quality for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so far so good. Do you remember how I, I kind of equated him in a previous their previous show about to like a, a garbage pail kid, um, yeah. There, there's a moment in the end of this film that is completely garbage pail kid, if you know what I'm talking about. There, you gotta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, that has to be riffing on garbage pail kids. There's no doubt about it. But has to. But anyways, um, yep. so as we start to wrap up, I, I guess. You know, it was interesting to me. They did a, I uh, read the, they did a tie-in novelization, novelization to this, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that's interesting. Um, I I would be, I was surprised that somebody might be looking for a novel version of this after seeing the film. Does that shock you guys? Because they ended up doing that with Child's Play Three <laughs> as well. I don't think it shocks me. I think these were really popular films, and I think as. I mentioned last time that I think they had kind of caught the American zeitgeist to some degree, you know, um, I'm not totally surprised. I can imagine this was a popular, I know for, for sure this was a popular one for younger kids. It was definitely one that my friends all liked. So, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I read the I read the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade novelization. I can imagine someone else reading the Child's Play two or three novelization. <laughs> totally. Well, you know who else really appreciated this too is our friend Sal Roma. He he credits the Child's Play series for being responsible for one of his longest lasting real life fears. And so, Dave, I believe you have some of Sal's uh, sentiments there for I Child's do. Play two. Sal posted this actually uh, on the. Um, on the on the site, he posted this under the 31 Days of Halloween Day 4, um, we go on. So if you want to check it out, definitely go out there and read it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look at, read, read the first paragraph, and then I'm going to just kind of go down to the last paragraph. And if you want to see, Sal has a lot more to say about it than that. And if you want to see this uh, um, or read what he has to say, um, uh, definitely go out and check it out on, on, the, uh, on the site. Uh, but anyway, he's saying, uh, I have little doubt that a significant part of my love for Child's Play 2 stems from the fact that it's one of the earliest horror movies I can remember watching in the early 90s. Along with Friday the 13th Part 3 and Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and 3 and even Child's Play 3, gave me the early foundation of finding some fun in watching scary movies, even if my love of horror came later in life. In fact, I can remember being that age of around six years old and not being afraid of, Je- of Jason or Freddy, but Chucky... That guy scared me even after the movie was finished. Unlike <laughs> Friday the 13th, yeah. Unlike Friday the 13th Part 3 or Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Child's Play 2 still holds up for me, similarly to a Nightmare on Elm Street 3. It shouldn't come as a surprise to me that those two movies I still love from my childhood are now being credited as being among my top ten favorite horror movies ever. They're very much so comfort movies for me. And then I said, go down to the last paragraph. <laughs> Overall, as I said, Child's Play 2 is one of my favorite horror movies ever. I realize it's not a perfect film, and that many people appreciate the original, but I'm the type that tends to prefer sequels because the killer has more of a signature style about it. I love the balance between being a serious film while also embracing the wackiness of the story without becoming a horror comedy. In my biased opinion, it's one of the highlights of an otherwise disappointing decade for horror. Now, if only Shout Factory could gain the race to Child's Play 2 so that so the fans can get a proper DVD Blu-ray release with extras. Mm-hmm. And he gave a rating of it of 8 out of 10. Like I said, he has plenty more to say about it, three whole paragraphs. Um, uh, that That's well worth checking out. So you go out to the site and, and read those. Um, but that's interesting uh, that, that he um, uh, likes the fact that sequels, by that point, the, um, you know, the, the killers anyway are... Uh, they're, I guess they're more grounded in the role. And... Um, hmm. I can see the uh, the appeal in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wh- where do you? So, Sal comes in at like an eight. Where do you come in, Dave, for your rating on Child's Play Two? I would probably uh, go. I'd probably say seven out of ten. Okay. And I'd say it's it's a high priority rental. I mean, there's like some things about it that didn't fully work. I never really understood why the father was so against Andy. Um, even after a few viewings, I just, I couldn't figure out where that was coming from. Um, uh, you know, and, and the comedy doesn't really bother me as much with someone like Chucky, maybe because it's Brad Dorif doing it. (laughs) And and like I said, I'm just a big fan of that guy. So it, it, it doesn't, it it doesn't bother me. So yeah, I'd say seven out of 10 and I'd say it's a, it's a, a high priority rental. Okay. What do you say, Wolfman? You can call it a six point five and call it a rental. 
a little bit lower than Dave there. Yep, and that's exactly where I come in, too. I come in at a 6.5, and I say, rent it. I think it's worth your time, especially if you appreciate the first film. Rigid dress codes. Get those weapons in the air! I want to see them high! And grueling drills. It couldn't possibly get any worse. Wrong again, wimp. Chucky's back. A few years have passed. Andy, how you've grown. No, you're dead. We killed you. I'm new and improved. And this time... I really gotta get out of this body! He's looking for a new recruit. I got some fresh meat lined up and I'm not gonna let you spoil it. I don't know if you guys can hear the ding ding sound that keeps happening. <laughs> Just the bu- the buzzing. Right. Oh yeah, I, I'm being called uh, back to work. It seems I apologize. Um, <laughs> they decided to track another song. It's like apropos of here's nothing, so. yeah. I mean, you cannot predict inspiration when when you when the muse. <laughs> When the that muse right. falls, I mean, I'm a, I'm a musician, you know, or I used yeah. to be. And then like when a muse hits you, especially when you're, tr- you know, tracking in the studio. Yeah. You got to get back in there. And anyways, so. Uh, I apologize for the continued um, disappointment. I, I am not uh, doing my due diligence on this episode, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll leave it in your capable hands, I, I suppose. You're damn right. Yeah. No, so uh, Wolfman Josh, before you run. Uh, will you yeah. tell the just listeners up front what what is your rating and recommendation for Child's Play three? Just so we know. So I actually like three a little, little bit better than two. Um, I think I would give that one a seven and say rent it. Okay. I, I think uh, they're all kind. I feel like they get a little bit more and more ridiculous as they go, but I I'm enjoying kind of where they're going, and I think Andy Barclay's the biggest. <laughs> weakness of these films. Yeah, right, so, right. <laughs> I think it's I think it's interesting um to kind of see how they handled him in this one, you know. I mm-hmm. think it, you know, I, I don't, you know, they it, it takes place the year following or the, it came out the year following Child's Play 2. Right. And yet it's like 16 years later or how many years later? Eight years later? Eight, eight, years, eight later. years later. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, so it's kind of funny that it's, it's one of those franchises that now it's taking place in the future. Um, I guess it would have been 1998 when it should have been taking place. Right. Right. Although it came out in 91. So that's kind of funny. But. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate. Um, I, yeah. You. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm no, really no, sorry. I'm really sorry to the listeners. That's I'm sorry real. for uh, wasting your time here. No, that's fine. We we loved it. Thanks for stopping yeah. by, and uh, good luck with your filming, Josh. All right. Thank you. Take care, brother. All right. Thanks. Take okay, care. I'll do better next time, I promise. <laughs> okay, no thanks. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So I love that guy. I think it's yeah, great that he got to pop in for a minute, you know? so Absolutely. At least, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, anyways, and like you said, when when it uh, when it calls, you gotta strike while the iron is hot. Yep, yep. That's what work is all about. So, yep. okay, Doctor Shock. So we um we're we're right now uh, situated in the at the beginning of our Child's Play three review. Do you want to bring us in with the you know kind of the premise and the initial details here? Sure. 
All right, Child's Play 3, directed by Jack Bender, written by Don Mancini, well, the characters. Don Mancini also did write the screenplay for this one. And this one takes place eight years in the future. You know, the the, uh, the good guy dolls are uh, trying to uh, make a comeback. They're trying to get back into business here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the movie opens, uh, the CEO um, has an unfortunate run-in with uh, everybody's favorite killer doll, uh, Chucky, uh, voiced once again by Brad Dorff. Uh, but Andy continues to have problems. He's bouncing in and out of foster homes still. Um, and at this point, he's been sent off to a, uh, I guess, a military school. Right. Uh, to try and get his life in order. Uh, at this point, Andy is uh, is played by Justin Whalen. So anyway, Andy ends up in, uh, in military school. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the Chucky doll... Uh, still needs to find Andy. He is still of the opinion that he needs to trade. He needs to get his soul into Andy's body. That is almost like, uh, you know, they're, they're connected. Uh, they're connected in that spiritual way, as it were. So he gets himself, he somehow manages to pack himself in a box and is shipped off to the military academy. Yeah, he that's... He finds a- out where Andy, <laughs> Andy is, uh, Chucky maneuvers the um seems to maneuver what would pass is the internet pretty well and uh figures out where andy is then wraps himself up in a box yeah how did he do that because not only was he inside of his box but he was he was wrapped in mailing paper on the outside of the box that's pretty interesting i i i i wondered the same thing myself i don't know that he (laughs) got anybody to help him i i was wondering Gee, how did Chucky do that? But I know I'm not supposed to ask those type of questions. Right, right. He right. just he just did. Yes. So anyway, he, yes. he got himself wrapped off. He's sent off to the military academy. But but um, he, the box, instead of being given to Andy, is given to uh, a young cadet named Tyler, uh, played by uh, Jeremy Silvers. Uh, yeah. And he was supposed to deliver it to Andy, but... He was supposed to deliver it to Andy, but but he had seen a commercial mm-hmm. uh, earlier for the good guy. And he, you could, this is a young kid. This is like one of the younger cadets. And you could tell he was really sort of enamored with the good guy. Well, he accidentally drops it, and it falls down the stairs. It opens a little. He notices it's a good guy doll, so he kind of runs off with it. Well, <laughs> Chucky ends up, um, you know, he has a little conversation with Tyler, and wondering where Andy is. And then, and then uh, all of a sudden... Um, you know, Chucky realizes there's something happens at the very beginning. So this is not the same doll that we're dealing with from the first two movies. This is now a new Chucky, a new yes. improved Chucky, if you, as it were. That's right. So they, he realizes, hey, this is a new me. I can now make a connection with a new boy. Right. I can make a, a new a connection with, you know, somebody else. It doesn't have to be Andy. I can make a connection now with Tyler. Yeah, and for those so, at home, for those who aren't understanding exactly how that happened, um, they they recycled. They were still able to recycle. They show in the opening credits. They remix basically. Yes. This is a Chucky remix. <laughs> the yes, the parts and and then like make a brand new incarnation and of you the doll. See the, and we get not, we get the impression from this from this very opening sequence that it must have been painful for poor Chucky. Oh, yeah, um, no doubt. You know, to, to have it to be swirled around as such. But anyway, um, so he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to, you know, uh, kind of get with Tyler here instead. 
The problem is, is that they keep getting separated. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if it's not Tyler playing hide and seek with Chucky when Chucky just wants him to sit still, um, it's people finding the doll and dragging it off and knocking its head into a door and um, putting it in a cabinet or hiding it under a, a shelf or something. Um, but Andy knows what the doll is and he, he realizes the doll is there. He's having some trouble of his own adjusting. You know, he's, he's getting into, into, into some conflicts with, um, uh, I guess his superiors, uh, mm-hmm. who are also students, but you know, he's kind of, uh, of, of, uh, I guess, was it Shelton yes. is the one played by Travis Fine. And, you know, he's having his issues with this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he does sort of cozy up to um, Whitehurst, becomes his friend. And uh, De Silva, uh, played by, uh, was it Perry Reeves? Yeah. Uh, you know, a rather attractive um, female cadet. Heck yeah. Uh, kind of takes a fancy to, uh, to Andy. Yes. Anyway, um, so that's basically what the movie is. There is a sequence uh, where they end up going out uh, on, uh, I guess, war games. They're playing war games. Uh, that, that Chucky kind of takes advantage of that to unleash a little mayhem. But the whole idea is that he needs to get now with Tyler. He has now revealed himself to Tyler. Tyler is his new uh, soulmate, I guess, is for want of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um. And Andy is now sort of in the way. So Chucky doesn't have to really be nice to Andy anymore. And he's not. Um, but, uh, you know, it, uh, pretty much what happens is, is what you expect to happen. You get, a, you get Andy against Chucky. Uh, the, the, the showdown we've gotten in, well, the other two films, not so much, uh, a little bit different. Now Andy's a little older, can hold his, hold his own a little better against Chucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really where where uh, how the movie plays out. Yes, thank One, you. Now, now there, there's a character in this, and it's played by Andrew Robinson, who's an actor I really like. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was in the Hellraiser, um, and I know he had a, a recurring role in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine as Garrick. He's and of course he was in Dirty Harry. He mm-hmm. played the, um, the yeah. Scorpio character in Dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. He's an actor I really like. I didn't necessarily like his character in this movie. I don't know. I'm supposed to like his character, but I didn't. I didn't like anything about the character. He plays um, Sergeant Botnik. Yes. Who is the barber? He's the uh, <laughs> the base's barber. Mm-hmm. Now this is a very minor nitpick. It's not going to take away from the from the movie as a whole. I know exactly and, what you're going to say. I know it. But it bothers the hell out of me when they go to a military. They, 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 they put the military in a movie or a television show mm-hmm. and they do the haircut scene and they make it out to be a big deal. And Andy comes out of there walking, walking out of there like he spent $10 at a supercut. Right. His hair is still, still long on top. Head of, you know, he just lost the length a little bit. You know, and this guy says, boom, you're bald. No, he's not. Nobody's bald in this movie. They're right. just you're you're basically just a barber, and that's not the the whole idea. The reason, from what I understand, the reason that the military shaves the heads is everybody starts the same. Everybody looks the same. Everybody's in the same boat, and then they build you up from there. They make you, you know, they they sort of rebuild you. That's sort of symbolic of okay, you leave that life behind, and now we're going to mold you how we want to mold you. So mm-hmm. everybody is shaved bald. That's Nobody true. in this movie is shaved bald. This guy is just a glorified barber. Right. 
And and the other side of that, of course, is which he speaks to in the film. You know, in in combat, um, long hair could be problematic, right? It could be, but he does nothing to change that because Andy still has some pretty long hair. <laughs> yeah, when he walks out of that of that barber. Yeah, I was super annoyed um, and kind of astounded by that as well. Yeah, I'd, again, it it doesn't really figure into the movie. It's just a, a, a something that just it bothered me, and I guess it bothered you too, Jay. Just a yeah. minor quibble. It breaks that the spell. That just kind of got on my nerves. Yeah, yeah it's it, like, it, 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 oh, is this a military academy or not? You know, like right. what are you trying to right. push off on us here? <laughs> right, exactly. And and it it just doesn't end. I thought it was interesting how how Travis was allowed to just play his video games wherever he wanted to play his video games. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that would have been allowed in a military academy anyway. But then again, these are. I don't think these are these are major. Um, they're not something that's going to, to to destroy the movie. Not deal breakers, um, no. No, they're not. They're they're not deal breakers. I mean, we get we get um, you know Brad Dorf back. Um, there's that opening scene where he's almost like uh, striking a blow for the working class mm-hmm. by uh, by taking out the rich um, uh, executive or the um, who who is looking at nothing but the bottom line. He even says as much in uh, yes. this little speech he has in the boardroom there. Yes. Um, when, when one employee says, look, we really should not start these things up again. And he's like, well, no matter what you're doing, whether it's nuclear weapons or toys, it's a business. Uh, and the bottom line is the bottom line. Let's go forward with, with the Chucky Bell. Yeah. And we even get a little bit of a, of a sense of what a jerk he is to work for. Cause he makes that guy, uh, he kind of, uh, kind of, of coerces his assistant to do some work at home on what is his anniversary night and him and his wife will go to spend time together. So this is, this is almost like we get, um, you know, this guy's a goner. Oh yeah. <laughs> Once you know see it. the Chucky doll sitting in there, this guy's not coming out of that room alive, but it looks right. like he lives there, which I thought was interesting too. This was his office and it's also his home. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was kind of cool. Um, but anyway, that's a that's a you know that's a that's, that's a good scene. I think um, we see how brutal Chucky can be mm-hmm. uh, in that scene and through other scenes in this movie. I mean, there are some you know, pretty significant kill scenes in this film. I agree. Yeah, you know, that's some and, good and stuff. I think it, it it ups it even a little more from the previous movies. Yes. Yeah, I think you know? so. I was surprised. So I Some of it surprised me, to be honest. Absolutely, absolutely. In There's a good one way. With a with a with a straight blade. <laughs> you know yes. that that one's probably mm-hmm. that one's really gruesome. Yeah, I remember it is. watching that years ago, and that made my wife get up and leave the room. Yeah, it's one of those kind of scenes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that that's one thing definitely in this movie's favor are mm-hmm. are the kill scenes. I think that's uh, they're pretty sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> and my apologies. Um, but anyway, I've been kind of manipulating this here. I didn't no, know it's okay. Jump I, in with, I, uh, I like uh, hearing. I like hearing how the film struck you, Doctor Shock. I always appreciate yeah. it. And, and in fact, this is, I'll just take this quick moment. Just um, you know, for those who are enjoying the month of Halloween, you know, we are doing our usual thirty-one days of Halloween, where we post a blog a day, and it's Doctor Shock writes. You know, every single day, obviously. And so if you if you haven't read those, I mean, I just I thoroughly enjoy posting his his blogs and what he's um, sending us. It's excellent. And we've actually got a couple other blogs we're going to be posting from the listeners as well. But I just yeah. wanted to mention. Uh, that. So. Just, 
we had one from Sal already. The um, mm-hmm. it's a movie I really wanted to see. I have that uh, that two movie set from Arrow Video um, that has um, uh, the night Evelyn came out of the grave, and I think was it the Red Key, the the Red Queen. Oh yeah, uh, I can't I can't remember the exact title now. But Sal reviewed the other movie. Yeah, um, and that's one I really wanted to see. So I, I thought it was awesome that that he uh, that he had. Uh, posted a review of that it's super cool yeah and um yeah and also we got one from the gray man we got one from greg and then we got one from nice. uh yeah i'm excited about that one and then uh trey trey whetstone wrote to us as oh, well so awesome yeah i really appreciate that and um uh, yeah feel free to send us your reviews and um i can't guarantee we're gonna be able to post everybody's but we'll try to get them up there on the site you um we appreciate it but but anyway so yeah. back to child's play two uh, three i'm sorry about that one thing I like about this is they do try to continue with the, the PR situation where it's like, um, <clears throat> well, you know, we've had problems with these dolls, but it has been our most uh, profitable, you know, best-selling toy. And so mm-hmm. let, let's bring it back. And so I th- I love that that establishes on a thematic level, Dave, the concept of uh, the desperation of greed yeah. And how that, that greed is trumping propriety. I mean, it is, it is it can, yeah. completely inappropriate to bring back a oh, doll no doubt. that is so connected to so many different deaths. It is inappropriate, but it's funny because it's been eight years. And in the world of business and in the world of, of news, if you think about it, mm-hmm. um, that is, it's like the, that executive, I, I can't remember his name here now, who, who played him. But he says, uh, you know, Andy Barkley's ancient history. Yeah. And I guess in that world, he is. And, and what's... You know, in, the world of, in the world of business and in the world of, of, of media, uh, you know, of, of the, the media hype, he is now, he's ancient history. And I know, and so this is a, a very weird and ironic tie-in to that whole that whole mm-hmm. concept of um you know their their greed and and the impropriety and how inappropriate it is this is something i'll just kind of mention in passing briefly because i know that the wolfman wanted to talk about this and we're going to talk about these controversies more at the very end of this when we go into our overall franchise review and by the way this has since been proven pretty much i mean there was no link to this. This has been proven wrong, but a lot of people believed or blamed this very infamous murder, the murder of James Bulger, or Bulger, who was like a little three-year-old boy. There were two 10-year-old boys in the UK who killed this little three-year-old boy. It's just, it's unthinkable. It's one of the worst mm-hmm. things I've ever heard of. But anyways, you know, they had believed that that they saw that those kids were influenced by Child's Play 3. But that was since proven wrong. We'll talk about the details of it a little later. And there's another film that's related to that incident called Two Little Monsters, which I'll be uh, mentioning in the in the future. But anyways, if that had been the case, though, wouldn't that be a weird coincidence, Dave, where um, if this film was responsible for that and then they continued making child's play movies with chucky so in real life they would be producing this doll that had potentially influenced these awful acts and then you know it within the world of the film itself it's very meta because within the world of the film the doll was associated with murders and then they wanted to keep cranking it out there because it was a money maker i think that's so interesting 
but it is it, it is wow so but you're saying they found out that it was not influenced well, we can talk more about it in depth but the, for, this is from wikipedia it says a uh, psychologist guy cumberbatch stated quote the link with a video meaning the child's play three was that the father of one of the boys had rented child's play three look who's stalking some months earlier however the police officer who directed the investigation albert kirby found that the son john who was one of the killers was not living with his father at the time and was unlikely to have seen the film and furthermore the boy actually disliked horror films and that was confirmed in psychiatric reports and so the police investigation concluded that there was no link between the two but a lot of people uh, widely believed and blamed this film for that. So well, crazy. It's an, easy, it's, it's an easy thing to do. I mean, when you get a heinous crime like that, oh, you'd yeah. like to think it was something as simple as they got it from a movie. But obviously in this case, it was not true that this was just um, a terrible act committed by, you know, two kids who you would think it'd be way too young to even be thinking that way. And it's, I think it's really telling that he says he doesn't like horror movies, and yet he's basically created a horror movie yeah. um, with his actions. It's a horrifying and chilling thing. But um, yeah, we'll probably talk more about that um, in our franchise overview as we wrap up. And Because I, when we do that, for those who are new to horror movie podcasts, we like to talk about the horror franchise, whatever we're looking at. We like to look at it from a bird's eye view and look how it influenced the culture. And so we're going to yeah. talk about some of that stuff. But, you know, moving into other like themes, I mean, I, I like in horror movies how there are certain um, human emotions or behaviors that are what I would call breeders of horror dave um Mm -hmm. i've talked before about how sorrow begets horror narcissism anger here we have greed and lust all those things lead to horror and so this is you know a film that uh, in fact effectively incorporates that as well yes i agree i agree um and one thing i did like about this there's a scene i'm not going to tell you what it is but uh chucky has a line that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm guessing I, I can't say for sure may have been influenced. It's almost verbatim to Palmer's famous line from the thing. Uh, when he sees the head crawling across the floor. <laughs> yes. Uh, Chucky has that utters that exact same line mm-hmm. in this movie. It, it is kind of, it's funny. It had to I mean, be even though, even though what's happening is pretty bad. Right. It, it's kind of funny when he, when you realize that the, the, his reaction to that, you know, it had to be a nod, right? I mean, uh, it, oh, I would think so. I had I, to be. even uh, it, uh, it's, but it's, it's a common enough line that it might not have been. Yeah. But it's almost verbatim. Right. <laughs> he almost says exactly what Palmer said. Man, that's funny. I, I love, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I do think, and you, you've covered this a little bit, I think it's really neat how they remembered that whole rule about possessing the first person who yes. learned of his true nature. And mm-hmm. and I like how they were able to like kind of mix that up and play with that in this one since he was, you know, had that new body. I, I really appreciate about that film. I appreciate that about this film. Uh, and then, you know what, the movie does date itself a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um because you know Tyler is is an African American child, mm-hmm. and there's a scene where where um, Chucky is talking to Andy, and he says, "Hey, I got Tyler now," 
And he's what did he say? Hey, how do you like that? Chucky's going to be a bro. Yeah, yeah, the little. Uh, that's like. Yeah. Great. It, it, it's kind of a groan. <laughs> yeah, know, it's, it's like <laughs> it's like kind of kind of a groan where you say, you know what? I love the movies from back then, but you don't always miss that sort of stuff. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. Um, what about? What about this? This interests me about the Child's Play franchise thus far, Dave. I mean, we got um, we get a lot of um, like wish fulfillment. There's a lot of validation in these movies where the people who were critical of Andy and who doubted him so vehemently and didn't believe him and were so hard on him for his claims about this killer doll, they almost always get to find out. And we see them find out that hey, this doll is actually real, and it is a killer doll. Yeah, And they get and their comeuppance. Yeah, they get their comeuppance, but they're also like kind of like, they don't believe their eyes. And I kind of like that, too. Yeah, Because they're that's and great. That's, you've got to imagine that's your initial reaction, because you're thinking, what am I looking at here? Is this a little robot? What What, right. what is this thing? <laughs> yeah. This can't, this can't be what I think it is. It can't be what it seems to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that, and and they, and they 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 handle that sort of thing, I think, well enough in all of the movies. Yeah. But I did like it, and in this one as well, when when you get that moment of like, wait a second, this yeah, can't be happening. I yeah, I love that, and I think it really adds to taking this franchise seriously because yes, it's absurd and ridiculous that this doll is possessed by a killer, and then the doll goes killing people. But when you have like regular people kind of reacting like what the like you know because that's how you would react i i think that that gives the film extra strength in the franchise strength so yeah. i agree with you mm-hmm. i also like i mean this is pretty common in horror films but like the bad guy quote unquote the villain types get their comeuppets too from chucky and i think that's pretty cool yes um now one one mm-hmm. major issue i did have with the film and Again, I'd have to go back. I did not get to rewatch the second one. I'd like to see if it's the same there. One of the things that always, I think, is always working against Chucky and why I think his plan will never work is this this ceremony he has to do to do the transfer Right, is very detailed and in this movie is much longer than it ever was before. And I think it's the, the length of the ceremony is, is in direct correlation to the amount of time it takes for the hero to get to Chucky to stop it. That's true. And he repeats this one line at least ten times. Yeah, and it's a little tiresome, if we're being yeah. honest. I mean, by the third yeah. film, I mean, this whole thing where he's trying to do... You know, I honestly, and um, you know, I won't... I won't speak to what happens in the future here in this franchise, but I'm just speaking to if these are the first time you're seeing these films and you're in the third one, you're like, wow. I mean, wouldn't it be refreshing if he actually does get transferred into a, a real boy? But, but he's never point? going to, because, because first off the clouds always form ahead, mm-hmm. uh, ahead above, which is always going to tip somebody off that, Hey, something pretty bad's going on in there. Right. <laughs> You know, because he's they, oh, these storm clouds have just appeared out of nowhere mm-hmm. and are only over this building. Uh, I think, I think that might signify something, right? Um, and then just the repeat, like I, in this one especially, because Andy is not quick 
to get there. He's not quick to react. Yeah. So he must repeat this line. It takes usually those clouds come around right away. Mm-hmm. It's like he's halfway through the ceremony before they form this time. <laughs> because it's almost like they just have to keep it's almost like they just kept looping Brad Dorf's voice. Just repeat the line, repeat the line, repeat the line, repeat the line. And yeah. It's, it's, it's part, it's some voodoo line from the ceremony. And, and that um, in and of itself adds to the, the, you know, monotonous nature of that. Yeah. So, so it's Chucky is, it, you, you just can never see him pulling this off because of that. Even, even if it was just like as long as it was in the first movie, mm-hmm. it's still kind of detailed. I mean, it's not something that, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it takes, there's a lot to it. And I think there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, I definitely see why Don Mancini was not happy that he was married to this thing because yeah. it, it ultimately really kind of, it, it, it kind of, uh, neutralizes Chucky in a way right. because you're thinking, how's he ever going to complete this thing in enough time? There's always somebody trying to stop him. He's never going to really be able to, I mean, they can stop and they can stop and, you know, uh, have a tea break. <laughs> right. uh, in between while he's doing this thing and then say okay well maybe i better get going i see the clouds up up up, uh, up top let me get <laughs> let me start now you know that's right that's so funny uh, i agree with you 100 percent. there are lots of near possessions and it's just tiresome now right. here here's a very peculiar aspect to child's play three and i think it makes it memorable um this is this is a few different kind of settings in one i mean it has a a college type of feel a little bit it has mm-hmm. like a school type of feel and definitely. It, it definitely has like a war film type of feel it also has like haunted house like carnival and and it, it's like all of those things blended into this one film and i think that's interesting because usually especially you know with horror which often these films are lower budget that you know you have like only a few different kinds of settings but this right. is a lot of different flavors in one. Now, I don't personally love the, you know, the teenage Andy in military school. Like, I, I didn't yeah. love that because, honestly... I, I think, like Josh said, I just think that character in general was not well handled. Yeah, well, in the first two movies, the kid, when he's little, I mean, he's very sympathetic yeah, and, and and he's he's a cute little kid, and you're like, oh, he's but, a cute little kid again. Not the strongest actor portraying him, although I think he was better in the second one um, than he was in the first. That's not saying much, um, hmm. but I do think he did a better job in the second movie than he did in the first movie. Um, but I, I can't say that I was all that impressed with the actor in this film either. Yeah, and by empowering him with this you know, military discipline and, and environment and everything. I think it empowers him a little bit. He's all, he's eight years older. He's a teenager. He's stronger. And plus he's really aware of Chucky and his capabilities. Whereas the other people that Chucky kills, they ended up, you know, he gets the drop on him because he shocks right. them. And, and so this kid, it, it makes our victim a lot less of a victim. He's a lot more capable. And I think that takes away some of the fear. It does. Uh, it does. But I also, as I was watching the movie for the very first time, I remember thinking, who's it going to be who takes out Chucky? Because I just didn't believe for a minute it was going to be. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> That's funny. You're like, the that kid's a wuss. To me, just he just seemed, yeah, he just seemed like, didn't seem like he had that, that kind of strength to him mm-hmm. in the movie to to accomplish that. I mean, I don't know who else it was going to be. I mean, uh, you know, but uh, I'm just going back to the first time I watched it, yeah. you know. What about this? So in this film, and, and I'm really bumming I forgot to mention it during the review of part two, but... Um, you get Chucky's hand is cut off again. It's, it's you know severed once again. Yes. And I forgot mm-hmm. to mention, so I gotta insert it here. And I'm very sorry, everybody. This this goes with the Child's Play two review. But one of the most prominent memories that I had as like a, a kid or a young, you know, I was getting a little bit older by the time these films were out. But but you know, one thing that always stuck with me is how he. He takes that handle off the knife blade and jams it back into his wrist because he's got yes. that. And and man, that always stayed with me and makes me hurt so much. And because because by that point he's feeling the pain. Oh yeah, he's feeling it. But man, that's, you know, and yet he still he still does that. I mean, that's that's hardcore. Oh, it's serious. Yeah, that's very hardcore. But uh. Yeah, I I love I love that though. I mean, there's something about that imagery that's uh, very upsetting and troubling, and it really sticks with me. Still has, mm-hmm. but anyway, and he loses his hand again, and so I, you know, a part of me wondered. It's like, okay, I wonder what they're going for with all this, this hand losing. <laughs> I don't know, um, <laughs> but it, it seems to be a, a common thing that happens with with Chucky for some reason, but uh-huh. yeah, well, maybe they, maybe if he didn't stop, he was going to go blind. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So, um, anyways, yeah, this film, you know, you can tell at this point they're committed to a franchise. Uh, they leave it pretty wide open, I would say <laughs> and uh room for more. And of course we do get more. This film was released in 1991 and I'll tell you, Sal Roma, once again, you know, I think we found Sal's soft spot, yeah. Dr. Shock, and that is the Child's Play franchise. The so, Child's Play franchise, absolutely. So I wrote in, he said, he said, since you're likely not going to have many positive things to say about Child's Play 3, um, here's a two, 2013 review, uh, this time for Child's Play 3, and uh, you could possibly use it in your recording. And so, um, let me see here, I'm going to try to... Um, find a couple excerpts that I like here. Okay, so in fact, Sal, I like I like all this review actually, but I want to give a couple excerpts and tease people into um, going back to our comment section. This particular one is found in the comments, I believe, for episode one twenty eight on our first Child's Play episode. Sal nice. Sal left the whole review in there, but anyway, he says the big strength of Child's Play three is good old Chucky. This is the Chucky that everyone knows and loves. Practically every line out of his mouth is some sort of comedic one-liner. Does that make him less scary? Perhaps, but it also makes him more entertaining. How am I supposed to hate a movie when you have Brad Dourif making me laugh in every scene he's involved in? It's a good argument. I I have to give him that, Dave. Uh, when When it came to the first movie, Chucky was very goal-oriented. All Chucky wanted was to get revenge on his former buddies and to complete his mission of putting his soul in Andy's young body. And here, Chucky may have an ultimate goal, putting his soul in the body of Tyler, 
but Chucky also enjoys hanging out and causing a little mayhem. And that's a good point, Dave. I just want to break from this here uh, to say I did notice that here as we're shifting into the series. Like initially, like in the first film, he was he had like the Michael Myers type of motive where he had certain targets in mind and that's who he was going right. to kill. And the only other people that got killed were people that got in his way. But now right. he's taken out like the people in the periphery, you know. So. He, he is, and I think in this movie, I don't think the one-liners um, make him less frightening in this film because he is, like you were saying, he's more chaotic in this film. You know, he he um, he does something late in the in the movie with regards to uh, the war games, mm-hmm. where he you know he 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 does something that's really. It's pretty- uh, terrible i mean it really is terrible it's very and, disturbing and especially yeah. you know in the in the environment now when we're reviewing this here at the beginning of october 2017 right. with everything yeah. that's happened in las vegas like it's yeah. extremely like yeah I, I mean i i winced a little bit yeah. more just having gone through what we have in the recent days but and then and then what what he did yeah it, it's yeah it's and and he's sitting there and he's having a good time with that Right. It it almost makes him, uh, you know, this is a, this is a real stretch here, but it makes him like the Joker in the Dark Knight. That he's just looking to I agree. stir that pot. He just yeah. wants to stir that pot, and he wants to he wants to just screw with people as much as he can screw with them. He wants, yes, he has a goal. He wants to, you know, he now wants to to you know uh, get into uh, put his soul into Tyler's body. That's his ultimate goal. But he's figuring, hey, while I'm while I'm here, why don't I have a little fun? And I think that makes him more scary. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of interesting, you know, because we always talk about sometimes comedy can uh, can you know uh, take the edge off. Um, but this is a movie where we get the comedy and it's edgier, mm-hmm. like we're saying with the kill scenes and with with just Chucky sort of in general. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 edgier, even even, and the comedy does nothing to dull it. Yeah, well, and and Sal picked up on what you're talking about there too in his review, um, because he said uh, it, it's enough to make you wonder if Chucky enjoys being a doll in order to freak people out a little more before killing them. Yeah, because he's finally learned that there's some fun in being trapped trapped in the tiny body of I mean, a plastic doll. Think of think of what he can do. If he if he were to just say to hell with this, let's leave Andy behind. <laughs> right. What what could this little doll? What could he do in the world? What, yeah. What sort of what sort of uh, of of hell could he unleash? Well, I mean, maybe on he the could world cure cancer. He could figure out well, the rocket yeah, I, booster I, to get you to Mars. So he could, I can't quite see. I can't could. quite see Chucky. <laughs> uh, I can't quite see Chucky dedicating himself to to such lofty. Uh, just, goals well um, if he applied uh, himself dave oh, i mean if he applied himself he certainly could he's one of the I'm good thinking, guys you know you know i'm thinking this this guy could like he could be down in a subway car doing what he did to andy you know hamstringing him with a knife i mean he could <laughs> he could be really uh he could he could do a lot if he just if he gave up this whole thing of okay i don't want to be in this doll anymore by this point by the third movie this is eight years well yeah, eight years later, mm-hmm. you're thinking, yeah, he's got to be, you know, he's got to be at least somewhat comfortable in this doll. 
Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know? <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, he's he, he's moving around pretty well. He's he can he can use a knife. He can he can really do some major stuff. It's almost like you want to say, you know, you, you want to see him not give a damn <laughs> yeah. about becoming a human anymore, and just be like. <laughs> The hell with it! I'm going out into the world, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be Charles. You know, I'm gonna be the 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 serial killer, and no one's gonna even I could do it. No one's even gonna think it's me. And I and I think you know that's that's the series does go that direction. I mean, where he yeah. is, you yeah. know. So it's interesting to see it progress in that direction. So I like what you're talking about there mm-hmm. because it, it it lends its power to him, as you say, settling into the monster that he's become now, you know? Yes. Yeah. Because in this movie, it's, it's not the humor that, 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 um, that weakens Chucky. It's that damn ceremony. You know, it's, it's the the complete, the complete, um, uh, ineffectiveness of that ceremony that he has to perform, which in this movie seems to have gotten longer, uh, exponentially longer right. than it was in any of the other films that he is just, he's never going to pull this off. He's just not, unless he's like, uh, unless he's sure there's nobody else around and he's got the person knocked out. And, uh, because this thing, this takes a while. And that to me is, is what makes him weaker, mm-hmm. not the comedy, not the comedy at all. Because again, and, and like Sal's saying, it's Brad Dora. And I think that that helps a lot yeah i agree you know and just like just like robert england i think did help with um you know freddie mm-hmm. you know, to, yeah. to a point he did they're, they're charismatic but, performers it, and actors. exactly yeah. but 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 brad dorf can just sort of he can he can go there i mean you can you can you he gives you the sense that this little this little dude i mean yeah you might think you could drop kick him but he's going to do some serious damage <laughs> right i agree Absolutely. So, Dave, here to to kind of wrap up this review. Then, um, I just want to close with um, Sal Sal's final thoughts on the on this movie, which really kind of surprised me. Actually, as much as he was <laughs> defending it, he said maybe Child's Play three is the worst Child's Play. Maybe it's oh. even a bad movie. However, it's a movie I actually enjoy and have seen even more than the original. If you just accept the fact that it's just a way to get Chucky on the big screen again, and then maybe mm-hmm. it's not such a bad way to kill 90 minutes. Besides, right. you need to interrupt marathons of Child's Play 2 with something. Basically, Child's Play 3 is one of my biggest guilty pleasures, says Sal Roma. <laughs> so There um, you go. We appreciate you leaving your thoughts and reviews on, on that, uh, Sal. But for me, Dave, um, you know... <sighs> It, it's it's below Child's Play 2 for me. I, I come in at a 5.5 on this sucker, and um, I say, I call it a rental. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. it's worth people's time if they like Child's Play, but I, I'm only giving it a 5.5. And um, what do you give it, Dave? I'm, I think I'm going to give it a. I'm I'm under Child's Play 2 as well. I think I'm going to give it a, a six. Um, it has the strong kill scenes and of course it has Chucky, which, which is always a plus. Um, but there are minor little things that, that, that will get on, uh, that got on my nerves, just little things that we went into. And then just that ceremony. I just, I, I I'm, I'm so glad that, 
well, I shouldn't say I'm so glad. I, I just it, it it was a mistake, and and to 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 saddle the, saddle your character to try to make him menacing and saddling him with something that's just impossible to pull off. It 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 does it it weakens him. And mm-hmm. um, but uh, other than that, it's it's the kill scenes are strong, um, and Chucky, uh, you know, Brad Dorf is once again uh, settled into the character, and he's strong as well. So, okay. yeah, I'd say a six and, and a rental. And a rental. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that we were, and Josh gave it a seven and called it a yeah. rental. So, I don't I don't think we were as tough on that movie as people were when, suspecting. When we decided to do this franchise, I don't think any of us thought that after the first movie, we would be where we are with the other ones. You know? <laughs> I know, and I, right? And having seen them before, too. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, and, you know, same. Not same. for Child's Play 2. Child's Play 2 I saw you know, not too long ago because I reviewed it on the block. Child's Play 3, it's been years and years since I'd seen that movie. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And now I, I'm really interested to see when we get into uh bride and see what's going to happen because i have to be honest i i have i don't have strong memories of those two films so i'm look really looking forward to seeing them again yeah i don't even think i saw a seed or whatever yeah yeah i i get yeah, I get, I kind of you just kind of bowed out. Yeah, time. I'm like it's it's <laughs> I'm like it's fun, but it's not really my thing. But 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 I am I am in for this, everybody. So I mean, I I hope people can tell by 45 minute reviews on each of these yeah. films that we're committed to giving them their fair fair due here, right? Well, obviously, because you and I were talking, we thought we'd be able to knock this shit. About an hour. I know we're like we're like <laughs> we said before we started recording we're like what 20 minutes tops on each one right no sweat right. yeah but but no it's interesting there's a lot of good stuff to talk about in yeah, this yeah. okay Definitely. so here here's what we're gonna do Dave um as we start to wrap up the show the the, the first thing I want to tell people is our schedule coming up this month just just so they know what's happening Okay, so this is supposed to release around uh, Friday, October 6th. I'll do my best to get it out at that time. And then next week, usually what we do is we we do actual um, releases every Friday in October. When it's October, Halloween month, we want to celebrate like that. But the next week is our meetup. And like you're actually going to be traveling here to Salt Lake City. We're going to be busy seeing uh, the new Chucky movie in the theater. And we're going to be watching some horror movies this weekend. We're going to be recording some content. And so we actually are not going to have... I mean, I guess... You know what I could do, Dave? I mean, I, I I I could release it. You know, break these up, but I would rather just keep them together and have ah, a good. Just keep them together. A good beefy episode here. I mean, yeah, exactly. There's no reason ninety minutes. To, there's no reason to 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 disrupt the flow. That's um, what I think uh, of of one movie to the next just to have uh, a recording to put out. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So yes. I, I would just keep it. Just keep with the schedule. You'd, together so so here's what's going to happen everybody just so everybody's aware so on you know next friday the 13th which is dave's birthday by the way which is really cool yeah. that that's your birthday friday the 13th. yeah i know that's that's pretty that's, awesome it doesn't all well it's, it's still on a friday it's still on a friday a few times but it's kind of it's kind of cool that it's doing it again when i'm going to be out that way well, you're you're legit. You're legit. So, um, here here's what we're gonna do. Then we're gonna be recording some content there for the meetup, and hopefully, uh, I know we've got some people who are gonna join us as well. So hopefully, you'll get your 
Horror Movie Podcast Phil and Movie Podcast Network Phil in person at our meetup on uh, October 14th. But then the following Friday, which is October 20th, we're going to be releasing you know, stuff from the meetup. It'll be recordings that we do from our uh, Movie Podcast Network meetup. And that's actually going to have a good bit of horror content in it because we're doing yeah. a Better Watch Out and it looks like we're doing Tremors. <laughs> so, that's awesome. I have never seen Tremors on the big screen. It's going to be freaking amazing. I can't I wait. I'm looking forward to that in a big way. Yes. And then what we're going to do is resume our uh, child's play coverage. So on Friday, October 27th, that following week there, we're going to get, you know, four and five of Chucky, right? And then on Halloween, October 31st, what we're, what we're doing that's really special is Dave and Josh and I are actually seeing the new movie together. And then we're going to record our reviews of six and seven together in person here in Salt Lake City, and that is what we're releasing on Halloween. That'll also have our overview of everything nice. as well. So awesome! So that's going to be killer stuff, and I hope people will join us for that. And of course, we still got our 31 days of Halloween going on, and so it's pretty fun. Yeah. Now one last one last thing. I hope people haven't turned this off yet because I got w- one last fun thing for us to do that I think that will enjoy. Well, I know we'll enjoy it because we always like this, but I, don't, I think the listeners will too. So for a few weeks now, people have been thinking I'm super lame because we've, we've been getting voicemails and Google, Google Voice kind of changed the way they were doing it, uh, Dave. And I'm not going to tell everybody exactly what happened because people would make fun of me ruthlessly for the rest of my life. <laughs> because just, just, just know, just know that, the, that Jay did something worthy of being made fun of. I it think was, that'll just make them happy. Yeah, yeah. I won't bore you with the details, but basically I'm completely inept and dumb. So, but anyways, I finally figured I don't out. Even know, I know nothing about Google Voice, so I wouldn't make fun of you. I wouldn't be able to receive them if I wanted to. Let me just say it like this. There was a giant blue button that said play, and I just had to click that button. <laughs> but but I couldn't see it because right, well I'll, I take it back I might have been able to figure that out if it was a giant button that said play I might have been able to figure that out they changed they changed the structure of everything and I, you, when I have my windows open on my laptop I only have them a certain size and I didn't scroll down far enough to see that damn button so for weeks I'm like guys I got your voicemails but I don't know how to play them and there's a huge blue play button anyways I'm very sorry everybody okay leave me alone okay this so some of these are old voicemails I'm very sorry but we're gonna start going through the back catalog we'll yeah just, like hey guys I loved uh, loved your last episode 92 yeah yeah I, I loved your review of Halloween back in like 2011 or whenever that was anyways okay no it's not that far back but here's one I, I gotta start off with one from Bonnie because uh, we're all big fans of Bonnie around here yeah hi guys this is Bonnie calling Bonnie Bozell um I was just calling because I wanted to see if you guys have seen the it's a show on HBO um, called Room 104. It's by Mark Duplass and his brother. Um, and he's the guy who did Creep, that uh, film from last year, I believe, or 2015. Um, anyway, my boyfriend and I started watching it, and it is super creepy. 
Um, and I think they were trying to market it as a comedy or like a drama, but it, every both of the episodes that we've seen so far are extremely horror oriented and suspenseful and really, really well written. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to see if you guys had seen that at all, or if anyone else on the podcast has seen it or any of the listeners or anything. I just wanted to see if you guys were going to even broach that as a topic anytime soon. So anyway, uh, great episode of the Stephen King. I'm so looking forward to part two and, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Thank you, Bonnie. It's great to hear from you. And I'm sorry about the delay and listening to your voicemail now, Dave. So here's the thing. I have not seen Room 104, but I am genuinely interested, and I'll tell you two reasons why I'm I'm very intrigued by this. Um, number one, the Duplass brothers, obviously. I think those guys are brilliant. I love their work. Mm-hmm. I really do. And, and you know, yeah. I think they have the capacity for horror, for sure. And then the other reason is because this is on HBO, and I think HBO's been knocking it out of the park for a while now. Oh, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and so I, I want to check this out, actually. Now, have you seen it, Dave? No, okay. no, I have not, but uh, I'm I'm interested. Yeah, totally. I am too. So um, thank you, Bonnie, for that recommendation. And listeners, if you've seen it, which I'm sure like most of them have, because our listeners are uh, very yeah, I definitely put say uh, mention something in the show notes. Yeah, and know, what, or not the show notes in the, in the comment board. Yeah, in um, episode one twenty nine there. Let's yeah, let us know what you think of it. Okay, cool. Yeah, and, I'll, and I'm gonna put this on my list to check it out actually, because um. Because I'm sure you could probably access episodes through HBO Go, I hope so. And I'm I, sure. And I have access to that. So that, that'll be good. So thank you, Bonnie. I really appreciate it. And it reminds me, it's like, okay, what are the, are they obviously riffing on like, okay, what if 1408, what if we had the chronicles of the things that happened in 1408, right? So I wonder if, if that's right, kind of the did. angle they're going off of. It huh. sounds like it's um, inspired, obviously, by that, but. Anyways, okay, and uh, yeah, speaking of like older voicemails, here's one from our, our friend Jake uh, regarding Annabelle creation. Hey, HMP listeners, this is Jake Parker from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I actually just got done watching a screener for Annabelle creation, and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. It was intensely scary. Um, I would honestly give it a 9.5 out of 10. I love it. But... Um, the best part is, is I got home and my girlfriend had already been asleep and I went into my living room and I heard my dishwasher dishes start rattling and I heard the door to my dishwasher fall open. Now, I'm not in the room. So I got up and I walked around the corner and I went to check on my dishwasher. Sure enough, my dishwasher had come on latch and it dropped its door to the ground. So I went to go wake up my girlfriend and tell her, hey, I honestly can't explain this. This is something crazy that just happened. And as I'm doing that, I turn around, and from my hallway, I watched as my dishwasher unlatched itself, dropped its door to the ground. And so at that point, uh, I could not really explain what had happened. So I just walked around, and I took all of my horror memorabilia, and I tossed it in the closet, and I went to bed like a normal person. And so I have to say, go see Animal Creations, but be wary. If you have a dishwasher, it may come to life. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that, that, would, that would be enough to, to make me want to go to bed, too. Yeah, that's really creepy. <laughs> Seriously, that, 
Oh, it's so disturbing, right? I mean, when things like that happen, I hate that. <laughs> I do. As yeah. much as I'm a horror yeah, fan and I appreciate when, it. When you can't, when you can't explain. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know what you mean. Uh, but you know what? Being a horror fan, your mind immediately goes to one end, especially if you've just seen Annabelle creation. Yeah, well, I'll tell you about it. So, Jake, here's one Here's one for you, brother. I haven't told this yet. Um not long it wasn't the same night okay but not long after i saw annabelle creation uh i have a little daughter that's a very very small like she's six and she's really short and and um she likes to do these weird things when she comes into our room at night right and we, so we have the the hallway light on you know and so when she walks into our room it's always in silhouette and so we can barely you know see her we just see her little shape but because she's a little girl, she's about the size of Annabelle because she's really tiny, right? I mean, she's she's Annabelle-like, you know? And, and like, so after I saw Annabelle creation, which it is, you're right, it's a freaky film for sure. I, I, I got up because I had this weird feeling. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And I walk, like, to the foot of my bed and out in the hallway kind of, like, just leaning against the wall in a very weird way is my daughter just staring at me for no reason. And I was just like, you know, I have to just, I have to keep it together, Dave. Cause I don't want to like, <laughs> you know, I don't want to like, yeah, you don't want to scare her. Yeah. Scare her and, exactly. and flip out like, you know, yeah. or swing at my kids, obviously, you know, so right. I just have to be like, you know what? I'm Jay of the dead. I can handle this. And, you know, and I just go, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, go back to bed, weirdo, you know, like things like that. But <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, that is pretty funny. Speaking of and creepy. Speaking of creepy and hilarious, that that fits this very next voicemail. Check this out, Dave. This is for it. Good day, horror movie podcast. This is the dancing clown, Pennywise. And I hear you're going to be reviewing my film, It. From 2017, well, I was hoping that maybe Jason, Jay of the Dead, would grab this balloon from my hat. Come on, Jason, take it. Don't you want to float? We all float down here, Jason. Now, let me tell you what I did, Dave. I cut it off right there because the weirdest thing for about like a minute and a half after that there there are sounds that i cannot explain (laughs) oh really it's very freaky and so um you know and i'm like i have this sensibility about like listening to things audio podcast or radio you know like and so if people if people demand and really want to hear that then by all means i of course will uh play you the entire thing but it's 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 like um, that's horrifying, whatever all those sounds are, and it's crazy and weird. But anyway, I loved it. I suspect that that, that was, comes. That was, a, that was a great message. So yeah, I like, I love it when people do that sort of thing. I know. Uh, that's awesome. Me too. I, I, I have my suspicions. It's either, that was either Adam or, or Greg, the gray man. You know, it was one of those mm-hmm. two, I'm guessing, because whichever one did it it was awesome (laughs) it was truly awesome and and speaking of those two people um our final two messages come from them so this first one's going to be from adam and from laura here it is um they're they always leave us these gems and um 
Yeah, so buckle up for this. Okay, here goes. Hi, Jay of the Dead and Friends. It's uh, Adam Michaels from Chicago and Laura. Hi, Laura. Hey. She prefaced uh, my calling with, oh, my God, do you even know what you're going to say? And I said, no. Because that would ruin uh, how I normally do this. I don't think you think that. I just got to, uh, we just watched Clown, so it's, it's hot off the press, <laughs> fresh on our dome. I don't, I'm trying to remember the podcast you guys had. I don't think Josh was too excited about it. I can't remember. I'll go back and listen to it. But all that aside, I loved it. Laura? I liked it too. I gave 8.5 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We give it 8.5. We've been pretty, uh, pretty neutral with each other. You know what I mean? Like our, our, our reviews have been just about the same. 8.5 coins. That's what they call clowns out of 10, and I would honestly probably give it, uh, like, a mid-priority buy. Like, I don't know if I'd buy it full price, but, you know, wait a little bit and get it, everybody, because there aren't very many good clown movies, and even aside from the clown movie, it's a pretty good horror movie and a pretty good movie in general. They don't follow a ton of cliches. That was kind of nice. I like they cover a lot of grounds, like take them to the hospital, and why is everyone doing this, and don't do that thing, it's stupid. And I'm trying to really round this up because I'm going to get cut off again. But uh, <laughs> they did a lot of things that weren't of the norm, typical horror movie behavior, and I like that. And it clearly has potential to keep the franchise going. And I want to see what they do. It's nice seeing a new practical effect creature. Uh, Laura, you got anything else to add? Yeah, I really like that it wasn't CG. I like the lore of the clown. Um, I appreciated the family dynamic. You talked about this, how it was nice how at the end that the son was like, that's not bad. Yeah, usually he would be like, not bad, and she'd be like, that's not your father, and whatever, (laughs) some kind of lame quip, but it was flipped around. Once again, it was nice that they didn't follow some typical or more people are. We're going to get cut off. What do you got? Any final, final thoughts? <laughs> I liked it. I enjoyed it. I really did. I'm happy that these horror movies are coming out swinging. Coming out swinging. Everyone go see Coin or Clown. Uh, get your rainbow blood off. Bye. <laughs> I love those two. I really <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, it's great. That's and, awesome. And what they're referring to, so um, Adam sends a lot of great voicemails and we're going to be playing those over the next few weeks. But what he's referring to is Google Voice will eventually cut you off after about, you know, you know, three minutes or so, you know. So mm-hmm. anyway, he gets cut off sometimes. Poor guy. Uh, that's not yeah, me doing sure. that, Adam. That's Google. Anyways. Right. And then finally, the last one of the night, and then we're going to take this home so you can go to bed, Dave. This is right. this is from the Gray Man, Greg in Ohio, um, and he talks about our Salt Lake City meetup. So I thought I would nice. play this one. Hi there, podcasters to the Horror Movie Podcast. This is the gray man, Greg Bench, out of Ohio, and I'm just calling, well, for several reasons, but mostly I just want to start off with uh, saying hi to the, uh, the old uh, Jay of the Dead and Wolfman Josh and Dr. Shock himself. Uh, I really, really wanted to try to make it up to the meetup this year out there in Salt Lake City, see the hometown of J. 
Day of the Dead and Wolfman Josh, but it's just not in the cards for me. I did try, but it's it's been an on and off year for 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 myself, and you know there's no real excuse, but mostly it's just the travel, getting time, and 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 the money. Uh, just wish it was in the cards for me. But you never know; I might win the lottery in the next week or two, and then uh, surprise <laughs> you guys. But uh, I was so blessed and honored uh, to have the meetup last year, so close to home. So I, you know, it was a you know, a couple hour drive for us, and not a big deal. But uh, just wanted to say hi to everybody. I hope everybody is enjoying themselves. I just finished the uh, the podcast for. Uh, Child's Play, 1988. You know, a stellar film. Not, not, not as great as as some people think. Definitely agree with the eight out of ten. I mean, there's minor things, uh, but you know, totally agree with the eight out of ten. You guys had nailed several great points. I did enjoy watching it with my wife for the first time. I did share that via Twitter, and it did get a like by Tom Holland, which made me squeal like a dang little girl when I saw that. So, (laughs) hope all is well. We'll talk soon, I hope, and can't wait to enjoy more October or Shocktober. It's great. We're four days in, and I uh, hope you guys are having a, a blast watching your horror movies because I'm enjoying mine, and I'll try to review some and uh, try to make them more in-depth than the one I submitted today, which was very lackluster from a lackluster film. All right, you guys take care, and uh, we'll hear from you soon. Bye. Thank you, Greg. So the gray man, as he said, yeah. he, he got to attend our meetup last year, Dave, so I got to meet him in Indiana, and he was there with jody and like they they uh carpooled together and uh, uh, man it was it's a awesome shame. it's a shame i'm not going to get a chance to meet him um uh, but i understand i mm-hmm. mean you know you, you got you can only you know do so much i mean i wasn't able to make it last year i'm actually making it this year right um, that's right but uh it's a, and I, it's a shame so i would like to meet the greg actually i wish to uh, I had posted a uh, wishing my wife happy birthday on Facebook, and he actually responded, wishing her a happy birthday as well. I know, he's a he's a good dude, and I'm serious yeah, about that. Like definitely. super nice guy. I really I love our community. They're fantastic, and um, I just wanted Absolutely. to note as we record this, it's October fourth today, and um, that's when he sent he left that voicemail so that one was hot nice. off the press right there so. got that one you you figured that's nailed fun. it you figured out that button just in time <laughs> yeah you push you just push and, and, you just push play is what you do there you like go. It, it everybody says, else who had given up on sending in voicemails because they said well they're never going to play these things rest assured jay of the dead has now found the play button yeah, i found the play so button it was these, blue they, and it's big yes, the, the, it's a big blue play button mm-hmm. um <laughs> and and you'll never lose it again that's right baby and so yeah if you want to leave us a voicemail by all means please it's 801-382-8789 and we would love to hear from you so dave as we wrap up episode 129 here of horror movie podcast uh let the listeners know uh, where they can find you on the internet if they're not coming to meet you in person next week. All right. Yes, um, you can find me at uh, dvdinfatuation.com. Uh, the next movie posted, I think, is going to get my total down to 65 left oh after the goodness. next movie posts. Thank goodness. I am really ready to be, for it to be over. 
<laughs> uh, I do have plans to continue posting reviews, um, you know, into the future. And like I said, I'm still interested in having other people contribute as well. Um, you know, so it'll be a little more regularly. I think I'm going to go down to maybe 10 a month. Um, so I'm looking for people to fill um, some of the other voids. They don't have to write uh, for every day, um, but uh, you know, if somebody. If, but and, I, and people have already contacted me. Um, I know I haven't discussed it, but yes, it's looking now as if it's something that's going to be starting right on January 1st, the first of uh, 2018, is when it's going to now start. Um, but I am still interested in having uh, having contributors, having people um, contribute to. Uh, um, to the blog, and if you did contact me, um, yes, I definitely am still interested in that. Um, also, you can uh, check me out on Twitter at DVD Infatuation, uh, Facebook page as well. I do have Instagram also. Um, that's all I can tell you about both of those and uh, <laughs> other podcasts. Um, the uh, Universal Monster Cast with Wolfman Josh and Gilman Joel. Mm. And the bride now is is uh, is is becoming more regular, which is great. I love her; she's um, great. Absolutely, absolutely brings a lot to it, a lot to the show. Um, and of course, then uh, the We Deal in Lead podcast just recorded episode number three. As a little uh, teaser, it is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, nineteen sixty nine. Nice. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, and that was a lot of fun. Actually, we had Cody Clark as a guest. Oh my on goodness. that show as well He's so awesome. that's definitely definitely worth checking out mm-hmm. um and of course land of the creeps with uh with uh, greg amortis and uh, Haddonfield hatchet and jesse robbins and justin beam um you know just uh, always doing something different over there greg's greg's really open to trying new things all the time and it really keeps the show interesting and he does a great job with it check me out i think it's land of the creeps.blogspot.com if i'm not mistaken Yes, sir. And as for me, I hope you'll check out our sister show, a movie podcast weekly. That's the show I'm a host over there. And it's new movies that are in theaters and it's all genres. We do horror too, but it's like everything. So, you know, if it's new and it just came out, you know, check it out and you can hear um, kind of like a, a comedy show. <laughs> surrounding movies it's it's seriously really ridiculous like if you thought tonight's episode was ridiculous it's about four times worse over on moviepodcastweekly.com also hope you'll check out uh gilman joel's uh spooky flicks fest which is their october um horror halloween celebration feature podcasts for retro movie geek formerly known as forgotten flicks excellent stuff over there i think you'll really enjoy them and yeah the movie podcast network we're extremely proud of this network i think we're up to eight podcasts now and um a lot of good stuff we got the geek cast live podcast we've got movie Streamcast hosted by josh um we already mentioned the sci-fi podcast i believe and uh, we deal in lead and universal monsters cast retro movie geek and um so anyways i think that's all of them i i usually leave out somebody and feel terrible about it but what you do is just go to moviepodcast.network we have a uh, patron feed which gives you exclusive bonus content of stuff that you can only get through that patron feed it's like two dollars and fifty cents a month it's very inexpensive and we do release some special horror content through there as well anyways 
We love your comments, so make sure you get involved in this blessed horror movie podcast community. Uh, you can leave a comment in the show notes uh, for episode 129 here, or you can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. And as we've said, you leave a voicemail at 801-382-8789. You can find all of our episodes, including the weekly horror movie podcast and horror metropolis at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com. You can subscribe free in iTunes, and you can also follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our theme song. Uh, you can find Fred at FrederickIngram.com. And we also want to thank Kagan Breitenbach for his reworking and arrangement of Fred's original theme. You can find Kagan at KaganBreitenbach.com. And by the way, Kagan and the fantastical musical stylings of Quartet Macabre will be there in person to delight us at the meetup on October 14th. So make sure you uh, <laughs> check out Kagan at KaganBreitenbach.com. And um, as we wrap up episode 129, we made a quick reference to it, but we just want to send out our love and prayers, our thoughts and sympathy for those in Las Vegas and those who were affected by that unthinkable, horrible tragedy. I know we have friends in Las Vegas. I hope everyone is uh, safe and okay and um, our thoughts are with you. Okay, and I think that's it for episode 129. So we thank you for listening and you can join us again Friday after next for the coverage of our 2017 meetup in Salt Lake City. That's on October 20th. And then on October 27th, we will resume our Child's Play franchise review. And that's all on Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. <laughs>